Oh. Okay. I escaped then. Brilliant. I love it when I do that. Legs, yes. Bow tie. Cool. I can buy a fez. Hold on! We are holding on! Oh. Well, hold on tighter. Can you do something about this turbulence? I'm avoiding something. Ah, oh, can't get the hang of these new systems. What is it? No, oh, it's still coming for us. Ah! Oh, it's a teleport pulse. What's that? Delivery for the doctor. Ah! It's the Kablam Man! It's the what? The Kablam Man! You're just making sounds now. Delivery fulfilled. And remember, if you want it, Kablam it. Space Postman. I've seen it all now. Delivery bots. Kablam's the biggest retailer in this galaxy. I don't remember ordering anything. Must have been a while back. <sighs> what do you think? Still me? Welcome, everybody, to episode 97 of the Metabolist 2 podcast, which features David and Ben. And this week we're talking about Kablam! <laughs> Kablam it if you want it. Kablam it! Mm -hmm. I like that. It's a good slogan. It's, it's actually a good, catchy slogan. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Is it a send-up of the Amazon online retailing, or is it something else? I, I, I couldn't say. Uh, <laughs> what is your view? <laughs> well, uh, of the episode or of the slogan? Uh, d d does Amazon have a slogan? They just have that stupid smiley face. That's yeah, they have the A to Z smile. Hmm. Yeah, they don't really have a... Oh, does it go from A to Z? Really? Is that... Yeah. Not? Really? Yeah. I'd never noticed that before. It shows how effective that is. I'm actually going to have to go to the internet now and, like, look at that. <laughs> yes, on. it's the arrow from A to Z. No way! Yeah. yeah, it's the alpha and the om omega or omega of uh, retail. You are entirely correct. Um, does everyone know that? Because I had no idea that that's what their logo was. Oh, well, uh, I don't know. Maybe... Uh, maybe. <laughs> Am I just being dense? I don't know. I just assumed it, that's what it was. Maybe I'm reading too much into it. No, no, you're you're incredibly smart. Um, <laughs> Thanks. Well, just as just as just as how effective it is as a as a logo that I've actually never noticed that that's <laughs> what their logo is. Well done, Jeff Bezos. You're easily worth a hundred and fifty billion dollars. <laughs> Kerblamet. Um, many bloody dollars you're worth. That was an interesting, interesting point of this. We never saw who was at the top of the Kerblam Empire. Well, I mean, this was one of my. I mean, maybe, maybe we just. That was one of my beefs with this episode. Is that mm. Doctor Who is usually against the big company, and why not? Because in general, we're all for big companies. So let's have mm -hmm. something that's against big companies in general. Um, but this one was like, you know, Kablam was so benevolent. Um, I mean, they kind of set it up as being, you know... Uh, that was the mystery. That was the whole misdirection. That, that was the misdirection, which, you know, we were expecting it to be regular Doctor Who. But right. actually, in the end, it was like, no, the company's only looking after you the best that it can. Right. You know, like, really? Okay. Well, I guess the giant company that's like working you to death, like wrapping right. things up in bubble wrap has got your own best interests at heart then. 
So I think, huh. why don't we just start with the end there? Once again, we have another week where Chibnall has a very conservative doctor preserving the status quo. Yes, exactly. And this is not the sun makers where we death to the company or you know yeah. something like that. This is the doctor's final speech. The systems aren't the problem. How people use and exploit the system, that's the problem. And then she goes to Charlie, people like you. But the system is what's driving Charlie to be a genocidal maniac. Yeah, <laughs> and, mean, yeah. and the system is what had Dan Cooper not see his daughter only but twice a year. Exactly. And, you know, to be honest, I mean, usually the doctor is on the side of the terrorists. I mean, maybe they're not quite as mass murderous. Uh, as, as as this particular terrorist was, but usually the doctor is the terrorist and uh, I wants thought, to upset the apple cart. I thought that was I thought that was disappointing. I mean, it was very actually. I mean, I have to say, it was very pleasing. The kind of first five minutes or so when the doctor receives the fez, hmm. um, there was a genuine kind of joyfulness to to getting a kablam gift. And that is when I think Whitaker is best when she's a doctor, when she's being a kid, when she's being like an yeah. overgrown teenager. Exactly. I think that's when Whitaker's portrayal of the doctor yeah. is most yeah. effective. But to have it, you know, the entire kind of, you know, moral of the story is status quo. It's good to buy stuff. Um, it's not know, the system, it's, it's what people do with it. It's not me, it's you, you know. Right. It's, it's it's guns don't kill people people kill people right. or something you know right yeah. it's very reactionary and i mean i can see you know why they got themselves to that point because again you know it was you know they wanted to do the misdirection thing mm-hmm. um but it didn't seem to be a very useful point to get to one of the things i want to touch on and i'll touch yeah. on it throughout this really seemed like a script writing by the numbers it's sort of like well, this is where we want to go and so we need this we need this to happen it right. all the pieces right. on subsequent viewings it just seemed very obvious okay they have to do this because we want this end that the system isn't the bad guy we want this to be this misdirection the, the thing that Pete McTeague got right is the angry young white male is the one who is the terrorist, which is very applicable, at least in the U.S. society. It's usually the angry white man who goes in and shoots up a, a shopping mall or a school or something like that. I mean, I think I think it's true in every society. I mean, I think if you look at ISIS or something, it's, you know, it's angry young men. It's, yes. it's angry young men in general are the problem. Um, <laughs> and again, you know, he was a kind of, a, you know, an incel style you know, had a hopeless crush on a on a woman, blah blah blah. It was, so I mean, that was weird because obviously, you know, there was misdirection going on as then. But you know, the whole kind of uh, embarrassed lovers piece just didn't make any sense because they were both equally obviously hopeless. Fancied each other, mm-hmm. uh, so why didn't something happen? Of course, something didn't happen because a he's the terrorist, and b she had to get killed in order to attract everyone's attention, which seemed to me to be unbelievably harsh and, right. you know, refrigerated, uh, refrigerating right. again, seems to be a theme. Yeah, the system isn't the problem, but yet the system fights back by killing people. Yeah, and actually, the you know, the only, uh, if you want to compare Charlie, the would-be terrorist, and the system, who's the thing that's actually been killing people? It's basically the system's been killing people, not Charlie. He is using the system to kill. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Anyway. So you enjoyed that first 
scene with the kerblam ma'am, the doctor getting all excited to having a... I did enjoy a, a, that scene, yes. ...effective kerblamozon uh, <laughs> delivery. Um, my thought was, I, I, you know, I'm a classic Who fan. That's when I came in. I came in with Tom Baker. Right. From the Pyramid of Mars, where after Sarah sees the projection of Sutek in the TARDIS and going, nothing can enter the TARDIS. Right. You know, like that, and he's just discounting Sarah, and it's sort of like a mental projection of that force is beyond imagination. Yet, right, yet we right. have this teleport Amazon delivery guy, this Kerblamet guy, that can go in and give the doctor the fez that she ordered probably when she was the Matt Smith doctor. And so, it's I know we don't ask for consistency in the program, but it just seemed very convoluted. It's the whole setup. And you just look at the little things in it that mm. just the introduction, the bubble wrap was so obvious throughout the story. Like the first oh, I thing. Didn't, I, di- I, didn't, I didn't pick up the, bab- the bubble wrap at all. I was completely surprised mm. by that. Oh, okay. So what I Sorry. saw is that, you know, maybe this is on subsequent viewing right. that you look at, okay, I want to use bubble wrap in the final scene for the, the, the mechanism of destruction. So the very first thing you do is you have Ryan comment and then go pop a bubble saying, look, they even have bubble wrap. It reminds, reminds them of work. And I guess I didn't think popping bubble wrap was such a big thing. Thing, but maybe it's because I'm an eBay error and I recycle all that kind of stuff. So if I pop it, I can't reuse it type thing. Yeah, there were a couple of things. One, I, I mean, I didn't get that the bubble wrap was going to be like killer bubble wrap. Um, no, I didn't get that. But the, oh, it was you, throughout the thing that they... Oh, you thought it was going to be like a key plot point. Right, right. It, it was, you know, they reintroduced it that they were wrapping it in bubble wrap and sort of like, why are you wrapping... You know, I, just... I was surprised that like... Space Amazon hadn't invented something better than bubble wrap. That was kind of surprising. He's like, wow, they've still got bubble wrap. Yeah, that is actually kind of right. extraordinary that they still have bubble wrap. Uh, um, so, okay. And so, I mean, that, that was confusing me. And then the other thing, actually, when it was revealed that the bubble wrap was, in fact, evil bubble wrap that was filled with, like, I don't know, explosives or, or gas or something? Explosive or, gas. Explosive gas. Both gas and explosive. It's mm-hmm. like, well, how... If Charlie is like a one-man like terrorist cell right. of some kind, how did he get all that explosive bubble wrap? I'm guessing he ordered it from the Kerblam store. He ordered a bulk a bulk order of explosive killer bubble wrap. Of course, you can get on Amazon Kerblamson. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> okay, that's perfect. That's exactly how he got it. Um, no, but seriously, it's like, you know, it's like terrorists, you know, if he uh, if he's got the money and ability to convert all the bubble wrap that an entire moon's worth of Amazon-style intergalactic sales cyber thing can have, then he's probably won already. I don't know. It just didn't, didn't make sense. Well, he wins in the end because what does Judy say? Well, she wants to turn it into a, a people-powered company, so we're going to have more people. It's sort of like contrary... It, if the system wasn't to blame, it was having people in the system to begin with, and the terrorist wanted more people employed. Didn't the terrorist win in the end? Oh, yes. Anyways? The terrorist won in the end, exactly. And like, yeah, and it's great. I mean, that's such a great victory. Like, oh, great, now we're all going to work for Amazon. In meaningless, mindless jobs. Cause yeah, sending fezzes to Time Lords, exactly. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, you know, why can't the TARDIS just generate a fez on demand? Yeah, well, I mean, you would have thought that the TARDIS wardrobe, which, you know, has been established over many, many episodes mm-hmm. to be a thing, would have at least one fez in it. Uh-huh. Um, and the other thing, I mean, was, I, maybe this was the point you were making. Like, I mean, you know, I thought the TARDIS was pretty, like, inviolate in many ways. Yet apparently a Kablam man can just teleport right, in there right. um, with no problems. I mean, and again, you know, they could have just had them outside the TARDIS and that would have been made me happier. The, the knocking on the door, like with the, uh, with yeah, the capsule on, and the doctor's wife. Knocking on the door. They should have knocked on the door. They should have just knocked on the door. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe they're just desperate to use that crap TARDIS set they built for huge <laughs> sums of money that this obviously doesn't work that well. Otherwise, we'd see more of it. Well, there's quite a bit of it showing, and I, I who? think who uh, I think if you shoot it so you don't see the time rotor the column. <laughs> <laughs> yes, if, I think if you shoot it so you don't see any of the interior, <laughs> it works pretty well. <laughs> I can see why they didn't want to make a big deal of the TARDIS, and they wanted to keep us in mystery whether we're going to have a TARDIS at all. No, it's that's a, it's a, it's it really it's a serious misfire. I'm sorry. The more I, the more uh, I the try, set design, yes. The more I see those big hulking, glowing lumps Crystal. of plastic. The other um, bits, like the blue lights, the blue lights, I, the the hexagonal lights, I think work fairly well. I like that. Yeah. But the 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 console with the big. Um, uh, Phalus thrusting up and down <laughs> for the time rotor. It's like, ooh, like it's a maybe. Maybe now the Doctor is a woman. The TARDIS has become a man. Ah, but I was no, but it, but she hasn't because the um, last episode of the that's true. The yeah. Demons of the Punjab. She referenced uh, Whitaker Doctor references the TARDIS as a she. So yeah, no, you're right. You're right. I mean, yeah. I mean, it, it, I mean, you were you were exactly right a couple of podcasts ago when you said what they should have done radically. Is you know return the TARDIS to its you know its kind of two thousand one space odyssey mm. you know white clean origins mm-hmm. um, that would have been really a radical right. redesign but this one is proving to be a dog basically I think right so I don't understand what Chibnall is I and mean, maybe Chibnall has a, is a much more conservative writer than what we've had in Moffat and RTD but this Doctor really embraces the status quo and i think it was fine in rosa okay we we are a, a known historical yeah. person they get yeah. trapped on the bus they want the the event to history to get carried out because we had the the uh, time traveling space races trying to mix things up but then in demons of punjab we don't have the doctor trying to save anyone you know, it's sort of like with the in the fires of pompeii where donna's extorting the doctor just save one person yeah you know you can do something this do this it. doctor seems to be very uh uh shackled her agency seems to be a lot of uh just the handcuffs are on that she cannot act to change things and then what we have in kerblam is where being told at the end in this very moralistic lecture that the system isn't the problem like you said guns don't kill it's the people who who use the guns it's the system people, yeah yes people yeah people are evil yeah and guns are great yeah and the emotional weight that the doctor carries she was more angry at carl for kicking tim shaw off the crane in the woman who fell to the earth she lectured him that wasn't right. He didn't have the choice to do, but she was more upset like when Slade, the warehouse manager, was rude to Kira 
than when she was yeah. dead, when, when she was killed by the machine. Actually, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Exactly she was. Um, which is which really doesn't make sense. And it's, as you can, well, as, as you've said very eloquently, a lot more eloquently <laughs> than I do, you know, they're just trying to get the plot from like A mm-hmm. to B and back again. And they'll do anything to kind of get it there, basically. It's, um, it's very, it's very inconsistent. Um, I, I mean, I was reading something online, so this isn't my point of view, it's someone else's, but I think I agree with them, that it's possible that Chibnall might be a better showrunner than he is a writer. Hmm, I would um, agree with that. And this idea that, you know, the Doctor Who showrunner also has to, like, write all the episodes... They should kind of dump that really, really quickly and just get Chibnall hiring people and, well, I guess not approving set designs <laughs> for TARDISes, but, you know, um, I don't know running the show, whatever that means, and just get some decent writers to, like, actually kind of come up with some Doctor right. Who plots. I, you know, I'm sorry. I mean, the Doctor is always against right. the system. Whether the system is good or bad, he's against it, or she. Well, she um, isn't. He's against it. <laughs> he is. She isn't. Exactly. She isn't. She's she's for things. I mean, you know, spoiler alert, it becomes even more explicit next week. No, oh, I haven't um, seen it yet. <laughs> oh, you haven't seen it yet. I'm sorry. Uh, 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 it was actually a spoiler. Um, you know, it's um it's 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 quite vexing actually. It's um, it's frustrating and I think that's to put my finger on what is sitting ill with me this season is that the doctor is upholding the status quo in almost all the episodes and here we are set and we we conjectured that okay since we're doing an earth's path in rosa and demons of the punjab the doctor couldn't change anything but here we are in in a fictional future and the doctor can't change anything either in fact she defends the status quo and this kind of super cool you know rick and morty peter capaldi Doctor, you know, who careens through the universe, like, smashing stuff up and, like, you know, disrupting everything, mm-hmm. um, has been replaced by, you know, a kind of, well, kids, don't, don't, don't rock the system, don't try and change things. Right. Get a good job at Amazon, they'll look after you, you know, their HR right. woman's lovely, she's from Yorkshire, just like I am. Um, I don't know. It's it's It doesn't feel very doctory to me. I mean, I mean, we have established, you know, over... You know, over a decade, decade plus worth of new who that the doctor gets into trouble by right. being messy around things. Right. And you know, we've established that pretty strongly, and we've 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 kind of critiqued that and said, you know, the doctor always does the right thing, but that doesn't off that sometimes doesn't add up to being the thing that was best for everybody. But at least right. it was the right thing. Um, right. I would have preferred, you know, the collapse of Kablam. Exactly. And then people discovering their local corner shop um, right. instead. Or, or going, to, or going to their independent bookstore and buying <laughs> buying a fez. Their independent fez store and buying a fez from the nice old man who makes the fezes down the road, right. you know? Yeah. To defend the system where the teammates monitor everything you say, they can hear everything... Dan is paranoid that somebody's from the union, so obviously the system is very anti-union. They don't like unions, yep. And Kerblam is dehumanizing, and so they've passed legislation that requires 10% human occupation uh, in the Kerblam industry, but there's very few management jobs. There's very few, and they're not, they don't seem very taxing intellectually. (laughs) (laughs) So we see a, a picker, which could have been automated, and we see uh, the Akira being a rapper, and 
I'm just wondering, this is maybe McTeague has a bigger thing that humans aren't ready for a total automation. We need to think beyond the mindless vocations that if automation can do it, it doesn't make sense to put a person into it, even if it works. We need to have something better for humans to do, maybe something more creative, right. maybe a, a minimum guaranteed income. Right. But there's none of this. It's sort of like we have vague rumblings of, oh, you're not from the union, so, right. you know, and we see how dehumanizing Kerblam is, uh, to, so we, we suspect that it is the system. And ultimately, it really kind of is the system maybe not Kerblam, but this whole society produces a young person that's so alienated yeah. from it is willing to kill millions or tens of thousands to try to change it. That's the system is rotten. Yeah, the system is rotten and should be taken down. Right. Um, and I think previous doctors would have taken down that system with glee, mm -hmm. whether it was a good system or a bad system. It's a system and the doctors in general. Chaos. Against systems, right? Against against systems, and I think, as we've said, you know, the kind of you know the the meta overlay on this is that they were just creating a misdirection in order to serve the plot, right? Which is fine, but you know, if 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 your if your misdirection to serve the plot completely kind of negates fifty years of anti-establishment, you know, kick against the pricks, doctor, <laughs> then that's probably the not the kind right. of misdirection you should be going for. Really? Even if you do the misdirection, you still have the doctor point out that the system is just as much of a problem as Charlie was willing to kill people to change the system. Yes, I mean, you know, have the doctor whisper in someone's ear, doesn't she look tired or something? You know, I mean, just have a little yeah. kind of ending bit. Not that that is actually a great piece of Doctor Who-ness, but, you know, it's a good mm -hmm. example. You know, just have a little bit ending bit where the doctor just disrupts things a little bit so that we know that, you know, maybe next time we come back to the Kablam moon, everything will be in ruins and serves them right, because, I, I don't right. know, why not? Well, yeah. I mean, the doctor left Gallifrey all those years ago because he didn't like the kind of stultifying rules of... A system hmm. that's really, it's written into his, her Time Lord, you know, character DNA thing. Like, mm -hmm. it's what, not what he does. It is not what he does in the most basic sense of being mm -hmm. the Doctor. You know, the system was smart in that it sends the Doctor a message. So the, the system obviously has heard of the Doctor with help me. The system isn't writing help me on anything. The, the Doctor had ordered something and... So the system is reaching out to the doctor to help me. Right. And then when the system scans all of them for jobs, the system assigns the doctor <laughs> the janitorial job, which would have put her right next to Charlie. But instead, the doctor doesn't want the janitorial job. She wants to do it, go the hard way or the long way around. So she switches her janitorial job with uh, Graham's uh, wrapping job. Right. So the system was trying to accelerate the plot or show her where the problem was. And again, with the Kerblam man that went and attacked Charlie directly, it was Charlie that it was after. It wasn't anyone else. Yeah. So the system was fighting back. The doctor was pretty clueless. And in the end, she defends the system because at the very beginning, she loves the Kerblam man. She's kind of blind. Maybe it's a blind consumerism, which we've not seen in the doctor. Yeah that distorted her perspective. It, it was a Doctor who -y episode, but it was an inversion of the Doctor Who character that I thought I knew, 
up until now. It's certainly a radical departure from oxygen. Yes. For example. Yes. Or the sun makers or oxygen or or green death or colony in space or, you know. Right. Any, any, any doctor you care to the mention. The mutants. The mutants, <laughs> exactly. Or, or the vengeance on Varos or just any of yeah, them. Yeah, invasion of the dinosaurs, you know, that's, it, the, the system is always wrong. It's the rage against the machine. Yeah, I said, yeah, that's, that, that's our doctor. And I can, I can only imagine that maybe, I don't know, maybe I'm so out of touch with kind of British children. You know, maybe <laughs> they are all absolutely delighted by getting something from Amazon. Um, uh, and I, I know I am. Um, <laughs> so actually, you know what? The role of this show should be to point out that maybe we should be more thoughtful um, mm-hmm. about our consuming of things. I think the message may have got lost by we want to misdirect with the system. Yeah, it did. And yeah. then it's a very tidy ending to have Charlie be blown up in the explosions of the uh, delivery bubble wraps. It uh, it just... Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. This one left a really, yeah. really unsatisfying taste. In it did, my, no, oh, with, with just, me as well. And, I, it's, and again, you know, I mean, it was, it was obviously, if Charlie is so, I don't know, you know, if he's got all that explosives, he's got, if he's got so much explosives, surely couldn't he just like, you know, he's the janitor, couldn't he go down into the mainframe and like wrap it in... Bubble wrap and blow it up that way. I mean, I didn't. I, I guess in some ways, I also wasn't beginning to understand why killing a bunch of people was going to help bring. Uh, because then they would be against Kerblam instead of being like the doctor in love with Kerblam. If Kerblam killed a I bunch of people, so. then it would be against the corporate goodwill and there would lead to. A rebellion. I, I mean, don't know. But I mean, he's already right there, able to like destroy Kablam by just blowing it up with all the explosives he's, he's managed to order from. Well, I don't know. He had all that explosion in the basement, and it so. really didn't yeah, do. Maybe it just uh, yeah, maybe ruined a distribution yeah, maybe layer. Maybe Kablam is unstoppable. Maybe there's nothing we can do. Maybe all we can do is love the machine. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> all we have left. So. The one question I did oh. have that I haven't been able to sort out oh, yes. mm-hmm. is why does Kerblam have a liquidization tank? Yeah, I was confused by that. I, I, I'm also, yes. Uh, what, what was being liquidized in that tank? I think Charlie was liquidating the employees that he was using to test the explosives on, but why would there even be one of those in Kerblam at all? Well, I think, I mean, I mean, I live in Seattle, so, you know, headquarters of Amazon. I know Jeff Bezos has a liquidization tank. <laughs> At HQ? Because I've seen it. And it's all filled with bones and, like, melted people and stuff. Oh, no, it isn't. okay. <laughs> <laughs> people that he doesn't like just get liquidized. I don't know. I mean, you know, it was like, I can see where the idea of a liquidization tank would come from because it's kind of gloopy and horrid and, you know, it's gunge. It's like a kid's show, like, here's some goo. Right. Um, but then they really didn't do anything with it. You didn't need it at all. No, you didn't need it. You literally, you literally did not need it. It was not needed. And mm-hmm. it's like, why is this here? Mm-hmm. The other thing is, why go undercover at all? Because obviously <laughs> it wasn't needed because as soon as, as soon as uh, Slade was rude to Kira and as soon as Dan Cooper disappeared, there goes the cover. We're going to you know, storm right into the highest level person at this warehouse and demand answers. And it's uh, why, 
the doctor wasn't deported at that point, why they, you know, they had their bracelets, they knew they were hiding, or their ankle... Ankle thingies. Ankle. Which are also horrible and dehumanizing. I mean, the doctor right. hates things strapped to themselves that tells people where they are. Right. I he hates just, that stuff. Like, whip out the sonic screwdriver, I'll have that, I'll have that off in a minute, basically. Right, right. Uh, yeah, it's just uh, like, I, I... Uh, um, okay, well let's 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 move away from how much we didn't like the episode. Okay. Um, what did we think of the acting? Did we like the acting this week? Again, I thought Graham was a standout. Well, this week he's a Cockney, I guess, with Core Blimey Governor and all that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> he's a Cockney every week. He just Is sometimes he? he doesn't say Core Blimey every week though. Okay, Core Blimey Governor, you've all got right. me banged to rights. Up the apples and pears. He should, they should make him more cockney. He should be using rhyming <laughs> slang through the whole thing so that all Americans go like, what mm-hmm. are you doing? What are you saying? Yeah. On the old Joanna. He does a good job. Um, I guess Ryan remembered his uh, dyspraxia <laughs> this week. <laughs> Sorry, I'm laughing. Oh, I'm dyspraxic. Yes. Though, actually, you know what? I was reading, again, online, I was reading, actually, a, 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 a conversation about people who do have dyspraxia. Yes, okay. And apparently... A, they're really happy that, well, these two dyspraxics who were chatting on this thing that I was just lurking around on. A, they're really happy that dyspraxia is getting its day in the sun because okay. usually they feel that they're kind of sidelined. Right. So they're very happy that, that dyspraxia is being talked about. And right. B, uh, they were feeling that actually his portrayal of dyspraxia is pretty accurate. Well, then, like I said, I do not know. So... Okay. Yeah. Um, I I still am feeling that it is kind of like, you know, he's dyspraxic when it's convenient mm-hmm. and then not dyspraxic when it is also convenient. Um, right. I would like him to be more consistently dyspraxic. <laughs> well, maybe it's not a consistent uh, ailment or I think disability. That's, I think that's also what, what's, what these dyspraxics were saying. Yeah. Stress and situational. Yeah, it could be. It could be. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, actually, one of the things they said is actually the, the, the most accurate portrayal of dyspraxia that they've seen on the show is where Ryan gets super, gets very frustrated and throws his bicycle over the cliff in the first mm-hmm. episode. So that is typical dyspraxic behavior. So that was a high point and it's been uh, coasting ever and since. I think <laughs> he's been coasting ever since, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um it was a little better Yaz episode, but again, I thought they undermined Yaz's character at the end by letting Charlie escape her police hold. Yeah. I mean, she had him on the ground, and then he was like, oh, yeah. no, I'm just going to get I'm out of here. Now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and she should, I mean, she's the detective. She's not a detective, right. but she wants to be a detective. She should have been, like, looking for clues and finding, you know, well, she was. paper she... and, mm-hmm. I don't know, goo stains on something. She found uh, Dan's uh, necklace from his daughter and his crushed scanner. So I guess those are clues. Those are clues. You're right. She did find. I saw those more as evidence that he wasn't alive anymore than evidence, clues. Yeah. yeah, they're more evidence than clues. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. What did you think of Julie Hesman de Haig <sighs> as Judy Maddox? It was very Yorkshire. It's very York- two Yorkshires on the show. It's too many Yorkshires as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> too too many. Too too many. No, one too many Yorkshires. I mean, you okay. can have two. You can have one Yorkshire, but you get another one. It's like, oh, what is this? Like a festival of being from Yorkshire. <laughs> um, she was fine. She was fine. I I mean, I again, you know, they built her up to be. Oh shoot! Who was the nanny? The, you know the um, the adipose nanny, Miss whatever she was. 
you know faster was it well, something like oh you know yeah. miss hardigan with the you know with the cyber the cyber moon yeah. you know we got this whole yeah. history of of that woman being evil and she wasn't evil she's just like a jolly yorkshire woman Mm-hmm. Um, and then we had Jarvis Slade, who was played by Callum Dixon, who just yeah, there as a character, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, the actor who played uh, Kira Arlo, Claudia Jesse, I thought did a good job. She was supposed to be the likable person that the doctor took a shine for. So as an audience identification figure, when she was murdered, we felt something, but it was very contrived. Super contrived, yeah. And it it wasn't unexpected. Yeah. And I just, I just, does everyone pop bubble wrap? I just, uh just... I do, I do. Okay. Yeah. All right. But I mean, you know, I mean, much as I have disliked Stephen Moffat's writing over the years, you know, he can write decent, strongish female characters you know, she were, she was hoping. I mean, she wasn't even a Clara. You know, she was. It was. She was like, <laughs> oh, you're just a pathetic human being. You know. I mean, well, she was a walking sob story. She didn't know her parents. She was lucky to get this job. She only got one present in her entire life. It's a reflection of the society that this auto, totally automated system has become. Right. And she she had a really positive attitude, and she was trying to make the most of this really soul crushing work. But ultimately, the system is what killed her. Yeah, yeah, and and, and again, the only reason that we would encourage to take a shine to is so that we we feel sorry when she died. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very economical casting. There was no incidental characters. Every character fit into the puzzle that McTeague wanted to tell. Yeah, and again, you know, what's the point of having robots if they don't turn out to be evil? Hmm. You know, and they know. even they even look like evil robots. Um, Oh, you know what? You know what they reminded me of. They reminded me of the um, the robots on uh, on the Greatest Show in the Galaxy. Oh, that robot. Yeah, with that kind of googly eyes. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's not my favorite McCoy, but you know it'll do. That's the circus one. Are you mean Candyman? No, no. That's that's the robot bus driver. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, the robot bus driver. Um, so there's that. Right. Yeah, I think it was the costume. It was the hat. The hat. And... The hat. That may... Actually, and also what they reminded me, they reminded me of the Johnny Cab from um, uh, Total Recall. So, I mean, nice piece of design, but again, you know, why have creepy robots if they're not actually going to be creepy again? The misdirection thing. It's a robots of death plot where you have a human that's controlling the robots to kill. Yeah. To try to change society. In, in Robots of Death, we have a robot rebellion. In Kerblam, we have a genocidal maniac trying to use robots to kill again, um, delivering delivering bombs that people will self-activate. But, I mean, the robots themselves are, are not intrinsically evil. They're just being used. Again, it's the, how you use the system, how you use the tool. Exactly. Whereas, you know, obviously the robots and the robots of death probably also weren't intrinsically evil. But they certainly behaved more evilly than these robots more obviously evilly. They should have had glowing red eyes. Why didn't they have glowing red eyes? They, when they became... Well, they pulled their punches. We didn't see them killing or kerblamming uh, Dan Cooper when he died. No, we didn't. But we did see him as, as, as some slime. Did we? So, Was it slime? Okay. I don't know. Whatever. Mm. It's... Uh, it's uh, um, uh, special effects were okay. I thought the um, the kind of human rest area that was like a damp park on the edge of Sheffield looked pretty horrible. I didn't like that very much. The grading was very weird on it. it was, they, the grading was bizarre in they that. They height, like, heightened the colors to an extreme we had to, We had to film this in November in Sheffield. We better like jack up the green. Right. That looked pretty unpleasant. Uh, I thought the warehouse looked 
pretty good as a warehouse. I mean, it was superficially entertaining until you started to think about any part of it. And then it just like became irritating. Irritating. Yeah. Annoying. Mm-hmm. Kablam it. Yep. Yeah, Kablamazon. Right. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of done. I'm sorry, I'm kind of done with Kablam at this yep. point. I, I liked it the least of the series, I think. I liked it more than I liked the Tur Tur Turaz Turazinga, whatever it was oh, called. Oh, with the Pating. The Pating, the feast of the what is it called? Beyond Sa- the Saranga Conundrum. The Saranga Conundrum. That's it. I liked it better than that one, but that mm-hmm. that's damning it with faint praise because I didn't like that one at all. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, this is my second least favorite one so far of this series, which has not been a very good one yet. Yeah, so we've got a couple more episodes to go. Exploding bubble wrap is clever. It's a good idea. But I wonder if Chibnall hadn't put the kibosh on returning aliens, if this would have been more satisfying if it was the nesting consciousness with autons and face-smothering bubble wrap at the end. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. I mean, yes. (laughs) A traditional baddie. Yes. (laughs) I mean, really. I mean... And unfortunately, this this series, one of its real failings has been not using the back catalogue of monsters. Because, uh, you know, Doctor Who has this astounding back catalogue of amazing villains that you can slot into a story and they can really fit there. You don't have to really explain anything about them. They don't sound weird because you already know who they are. You kind of know already know what their plan is. It's a really good way of pleasing me. And that is an important part of Doctor Who. It has to to make me happy. So it's a really good way of pleasing me. But also, more importantly, it's a a shorthand way of kind of, you know, getting the plot moving. Okay, it's the nesting consciousness. They can take over plastic. Right, we know what they're doing. Okay, it must be something to do with the bubble wrap. You know, you're kind of getting to where you want to go without being all kind of convoluted. And it seems to me that this current series is kind of writing itself into kind of weirdly annoying and boring knots. Mm-hmm. trying to avoid just using something that it's already got that it could use immediately. Like, you know, just have it be the Sontarans versus the Rutans in right. episode one. Yeah. So that's my view. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just... <sighs> Kerblammed out. This was this was the hardest <laughs> one to watch a, a second time because I was so annoyed, so frustrated the first oh. the first watch. And just... You, you hate-watched it. I, well, I didn't hate-watch it. I just... Annoying watched it, right. I procrastinated on it, and, and not until we uh, scheduled the time to record did I go, all right, my deadline is up. i got to watch this again and take notes. So, <laughs> so it was over a week before I <laughs> watched it a second time. And in, in that time, it's just the annoyedness, the irritation grew with this episode. Yeah. I mean, I'm just wondering. I mean, the ratings seem to be good. Okay. Well, that's that's good. Which is good. I mean, you know, I mean, they seem to be, I mean, as much as I follow ratings, which isn't a lot, mm-hmm. um, they seem to be, you know, comparable, if not better than, you know, the last series of Capaldi. Um, and I, I wonder if that was just the BBC not giving Capaldi his due with promotions or maybe people had Moffat fatigue. I know you and I certainly did. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that that, that last season was the best season of Capaldi in my, in my yes, opinion. Yes, I would agree. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, they've got three more. Hang on. What's, this is yep, this is seven. Seven. So they've got so, eight, nine, ten, and New Year's Day. Yep. Which apparently is, is going to be a New Year's Day themed one I was reading. So that, that's exciting. 
All right. Back to Vancouver. Um, yeah, and then we we still don't know whether we're getting one next year, right? Is, is there still the rumors are out there? Rumors are out there, but I, I thought the rumor was now that the BBC said they had to come up with something. So it sounds like I think there's going to be like five or six episodes in the end of 2019. And then we'll have the rest of the season in the start of 2020. And then oh, okay. possibly, I guess, the scuttlebutt, the fan rumor is that Chibnall and Whitaker go bye-bye after the end of the Series 12. Really? I hadn't read that. Gosh. Yeah. You know, this is just idle fan speculation. Is that kind of wishful thinking on behalf of evil fans? Or Yeah, well, yeah. not on my part. But, you know, there is that certain segment of fandom that just have not, still do not like Whitaker as a doctor, which I just, she's yeah. a very likable doctor. She Super just yeah. isn't been given... She's not being given doctory things to do. You know, I'm looking at the first seven episodes of each doctor's run... And we have, I think, standouts in Rosa, but yep. then that standout in Rosa is kind of lessened by the Demons of Punjab, which is a very similar type. It's a different story, but it's a similar type of portrayal of the Doctor. So we're missing the, we're missing those big early stories that yeah. set the theme it's for set. the Doctor. Other than uh, stay with the status quo, kids. Status quo, kids. Yeah, yeah. I mean, oh, I just I just can't believe that the doctor would not blame the system, leave the inept managers who let this happen, <laughs> happen under their watch. And then the solution is Judy is going to bring even more people into the system when the people were the problem. And having people do mindless work is not the solution to employment. Exactly. We've already established that it's a shitty place to work. Right. <laughs> Ah, ah anyway. all right. Uh, okay. The, all right. So until next time we record, I guess, what is it? The witch? The witches of Bilehurst Crag. <laughs> the witches of made up Lancashire name. The witch finders. The witch finders. It? it is called the witch finders. All right. Witch finders. <laughs> witch finders. Um, yeah, which I've actually already, I've already seen at this point. But, all right. Um, so I'll uh, have to watch and we can record. Then yeah. I guess. Yeah, I guess. Hmm. Um, anything else happened in the world of Doctor Who this week? I don't know. I've been kind of off, off all social media, off the internet for Doctor Who, trying to yeah. keep my thoughts pure. On... Sure. <laughs> keep your your thoughts focused so. on your least favorite episode of Doctor Who so far. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. Well, um, if you have been, thanks for listening. This has been episode 97 of the Metabolism 2 podcast. 97. I've been talking with Ben. And I have been bitching about Kablam with <laughs> David. All right. Time to Kablam it. Kablam it. Kaboom. <laughs> <laughs>
If you want it, good blame it. <laughs>